0: Speak your truth. Today we have with us Chantel Presley, and I know you go by Telly, so can I call you Telly during the interview? Yep, Telly's perfect. All right, Telly. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Um, Well, I'm a Lexington, Kentucky native. I moved here when I was in the sixth grade, so this is pretty much my home base. Okay. Um, But I am a dual citizen. My mom is British. My dad's American, so I have both passports. I was born in the United Kingdom. Whoa! So, yeah, that, that's been a—it's been really helpful as a professional basketball player um, to have both passports.
0: Yeah, that's dope. That's super dope.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, that gave me the opportunity to compete with the British national team and compete with Team England without having that passport. And,
0: nice. You know, just
1: fortunately, being born there, I might not have had that opportunity to compete at that level.
0: Exactly. That's so amazing, man. What was that like for you?
1: Well, representing your country is like one of the biggest honors that one can have in any professional sport. So, I mean, it was something that I will never forget. I'm gonna have those memories going to Australia, competing in the Commonwealth games um, for the rest of my life. We won a silver medal. So
0: that's so cool.
1: I mean, it's pretty much like a mini Olympics for those that don't know, but it's only for the British um, territories or British countries. So it was, yeah, 79 countries, I think. Oh, wow. represented so yeah it was a, it was a big stage
0: That's really cool Were you nervous at all did you feel any sort of pressure
1: Um we we came into it as the underdogs and we just knew that you know we were going to have to compete and play our best to have a chance at you know placing um gold silver or bronze and I think the pressure was really on everyone else that was at the top because we didn't have it. no one expected us to win so it just allowed us to just go out there and compete and, you know, do our best to see what was going to happen.
0: Exactly. That's man. That's dope. Telly, that's super dope. Um, so tell us about your decision to go overseas and how you got the opportunity. So we learned how you even got on the, uh, on team England.
1: Well, for me, um coming out of college. I went to a mid-major school. I went to Eastern Illinois and the OVC okay. and I was a three year starter but my numbers weren't great. Like my senior year, I might have averaged 8.7 rebounds. And, you know, thinking of a player that goes overseas, those numbers are not typically what you would see as somebody that c- goes on to play a professional career. Mm. I actually stayed one year after I graduated with my undergrad in went on to be the graduate assistant okay So I was I did one year of coaching got my master's degree but the whole time I was there you know I'm working out with the team I'm using the facilities training because I knew my goal was to go overseas once I had finished my master's right and I wound up getting my agent through there was a coaching um replacement that came in the year after I was done with my grad assistantship and Debbie Black came from Ohio State and mm she really put me on with her personal agent and from that point um I was able to get a job in France and it was you know third league um the money wasn't super high but Mm -hmm. I just needed to get my foot in the door exactly you know having sat out a year and not having great stats like as far as what they're looking for from an overseas player Mm -hmm. I mean I was just happy to get over there
0: exactly (laughs) That's what's up, though. Man, you played in Fran- So you've played in France and then England. Is there anywhere else you've played so far? Um,
1: I played in Germany, Italy, and Spain.
0: That's Dope! I mean. Dang, tell me. Yeah, to- I,
1: I did a couple of seasons that um I split the season, so I was in um, only half a season in Germany, half a season in Italy, and half a season in Spain. But mm-hmm. for me, I mean, the opportunity to travel through basketball is like one of the most important things for me. So. I was very, very fortunate to get to see as many countries as I have.
0: Yeah, that's super dope. You went to, the like, France and Italy are definitely two places I wanted to play. But now that I haven't, that I didn't get the opportunity to, I'm glad because I wanna vacation there. And I don't think it'd be the same if I had to play there. Because, like, every place I've been, the only place I want to vacation in, for real, for real, that I've played is Spain um yeah <laughs> Finland Finland I will never in my life set foot in unless for some god-given reason I have to I do not ever want to see Finland again I don't even want to see the word Finland in my life
1: just too cold
0: there for you or what was the yeah it, man <laughs> it was okay so there's a lot to Finland but it was it was freezing cold and where we were it's super close to Russia so the people are just different to say the least. Just very, very, very different. Um, Nobody really smiled. Nobody talked. um, But at the same time, it's like dark there Twenty out of the twenty-four hours a day, so people are de- like severely depressed. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's right next door to Sweden, and I had played in Sweden a year prior, and it was like the complete opposite. Everybody was so nice, so happy, um, even in the winter time, it was cool. Same thing with the darkness and all of that. So I just assumed Finland would be the same, and um, it was not. So it made me depressed, and I like that is I don't blame Finland entirely, but that aided in my decision to stop playing altogether. Like it made it a lot easier to stop. playing
1: i would definitely agree that i mean you never know what you're gonna get when you go overseas you might have talked to a former player who might have played in that city that you're going to but the experience the team can be totally different and you really don't know what you're going to get into until you actually get there and that can really make a breaker player like if you go over there for your first season and you don't like it that could be the end of somebody's professional career. So, exactly. So, I mean, it, it's huge to, you know, having a good experience your first year mm-hmm. to continue on playing. And like you said, it it was the reason why you decided to stop playing. So, I haven't had a situation quite like that yet. Yeah. That's why I'm still, <laughs>
0: still going. But. I hope you don't have it. I pray you do not have that. I hope you pr- that you uh decide to stop your career because you genuinely just feel like you don't have anything left to give in that way anymore. Not because you had a bad experience um because I know a few people that stopped we didn't even finish our full first season yet and they was like I can't do this like I cannot Mm -hmm. do it um so can you tell me especially before you even went your first time what do you do kind of to prepare yourself for the unknown because like you said you don't know anything unless you get I mean even still if you get on google and research the city like you said talk to somebody it's going to be totally different for you
1: yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the first two things that I always do. And I speak with my agent about what it is that I'm looking for for a season. I will say I'm still interested in winning championships. So I'm trying to play on a team where it's competitive somewhere at the top. You know, you can get offered more money sometimes and play on a team that's in last place. Mm-hmm. But I know from my own happiness, I'm a, I'm a player and I'm a winner. So mm-hmm. I want to play and compete for championships every single time. It, it's not fun when you're losing.
0: Exactly. That's so
1: that's, <laughs> that's high for me. Uh, I mean, of course, money as a female player, you know, we already get underpaid compared to the men's side. So yes. we're always trying to get that coin right. We're trying to <laughs> make sure we're playing for our max that we can potentially get. I was about get,
0: to say, so. a little bit of coin we do get. We trying to get it.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's very important. And um, also for me, I really enjoy playing on teams that have a higher number of foreign players on the allowed on the roster because Mm -hmm. I played in Italy when it was just one foreigner and Mm. not even American just one foreigner
0: period and that
1: foreigner was me
0: oh my goodness
1: that was a challenge that I didn't see coming like I wasn't aware that it was only one foreigner on the team
0: exactly
1: you know everybody else was Italian they all were very friendly but You know it was like it's just a different culture and then you know these people have played together for you know maybe a year or so so they Mm -hmm. already know each other and then you're coming in as an outsider it can make can be a little lonely at times when that's the case so if you have more americans or other foreigners on the team you kind of make a little bond with those people
0: yes i agree very lonely and like my first year in spain there was a girl from argentina but she didn't speak english And a girl from um, Latvia, and she had played basketball here in America, but her first experience with Americans or even the English language was here in America when she went to college. So, like, I had no one to relate to, and I was literally miserable. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I ended up switching teams midway through um, to another team in Spain and they had an American and that's one of my best friends to this day so it Mm -hmm. was a much 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 different experience Um, but I love both of the both teams I absolutely love them they were the nicest kindest people ever Um, pretty much like they treated you like family like so kind I love Spain Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah I, I that was like that i I always tell people that story because even with some of my teammates even my roommates they couldn't speak english and i would have to get on google translate just to ask them the most simple question like just but at the same time that has made me a lot more adaptable because now i feel like i can talk to anybody now that i've had to talk to people through a translator app so it's a Mm -hmm. super dope (laughs) experience super dope experience um, One
1: thing you'll learn is the power of body language. You're just talking with yes. your hands. And <laughs> you you kind of communicate any way necessary. You do a lot of pointing at the menu
0: yes. or whatever the case. So. Man, I was dang near speaking sign language in every country. Like mm-hmm. you, that is. So I, never, I didn't even think about that because now I, I still do talk with my hands a lot but not nearly as much. Everything was with my hands over there pretty much. I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that. That's funny. Uh, uh, all right so you said you have an agent can you describe for the people who are coming after us what it's like to have an agent the importance of picking the right one and can you give us an idea of what the relationship with your agent should be like
1: well I love talking about agents because <laughs> in my this will be my sixth season I had that season off um back in 2016 I tore my ACL oh goodness. From that time, I think I've had four four agents in, wow, going into my sixth season so i can I can definitely tell you about agents and the different <laughs> relationships that you can have um a lot of times, I think the best thing to do is you know you don't know these agents and you can only really go by word of mouth in my mm-hmm. experience. The players who I've played with, you know, I have a conversation with them. Who's your agent? Who's representing you? Where have you played at? Do you like them? How do they communicate with you? And really, for me, that's just like, you know, that's a personal recommendation to getting a better agent. Or somebody, not necessarily a better agent, but somebody who works better for you. Mm-hmm. And um, really, the agent that I have now, I've been with him for the past two, or two seasons. Okay. And we have a great relationship. Like, I can call him on the phone. I can text him, and he's going to get back to me. And that, to me, is really important. If you can have somebody that communicates well, you're already heading in the right direction.
0: Exactly. That's very true. That's that's definitely the most important thing with your is communication because they are, like, pretty much your resource for everything when it comes to going over there. And if you guys can't – or I would say if they don't communicate or can't for whatever reason – then you might as well go ahead and pick another agent right then and there. Um, Cause it's just not going to work out at all. I done been there done that too many times. Uh,
1: yeah. And a lot of times people, I mean, if you're, a, if you're a player and you have a little experience going overseas, say, for instance, this is your third season going overseas, you kind of make connections with coaches and with teams and organizations. And sometimes people will reached directly out to you on your social media network and, You know, it's good to have an agent just to make sure that all the, you know, paperwork is legit. But a lot of times, like, you can forge these relationships yourself. And I've had a season where I didn't have an agent. And my coach that I played with in England before, he was like, you know, I will give you the agent signing bonus. Like, once you've had a personal relationship, then you can start doing those things It might not be necessary for you to have an agent. And you can actually wind up getting that 10% back in your own bank account.
0: That's very 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 true um one of my former teammates is funny because i played with her sister at uk and ended up playing with her in australia but she Mm -hmm. does not um to my knowledge i don't know she does or not now but she doesn't ever sign with agents she Mm -hmm. just like will have them help her get some of them you know try to make her sign but she'll do her best to just have them help her you know get a contract i don't know how it works out in terms of how they get paid but she tries not to sign with an agent because it's it's too much like it, it and I agree it on one end it makes it a little easier especially if you have a really good one but how she does it is that she will find somebody who is a, like specifically from that country who works in that country and work with them but like I said I don't know how it works out in terms of how they get paid and stuff like that um, but that's probably like if I were to, which I don't think I am, but if for some reason I go back overseas, that's probably what I would do instead of signing with just one. Um, cause it's, it's very tricky picking ones. Like you say, you don't really know them. You don't really get to meet them. I didn't meet either one of my agents. Um, mm-hmm. so your relationship is pretty much FaceTime or over the phone.
1: Yeah, I did get a unique opportunity, um, to work actually meet my agent in person he actually lives in houston texas and that's where my sister lives so dope visiting there got in contact met up and he's actually he's black so i i really like that he's you know i can relate to him we can communicate like we can understand each other a little mm-hmm. bit better so Very i, I do like that i got a chance to meet him so it was really cool
0: yeah that's super dope that's what's up aside from playing what's your favorite part about going overseas
1: Well, I am a big sightseer. (laughs) I get on trains, I get on planes, and when I'm over there, I take full advantage of traveling, getting Airbnbs, or staying in hostels with one of my, you know, whoever my roommate or teammate is at the time, Mm -hmm. and we just get out, go sightsee, check out all the restaurants, clubs, bars, and... Anything that you can do, as far as going to the beach, I'm all about
0: it. <laughs> hey, that's me. I love the beach, and that is one of my biggest regrets. I was living um, in Los Palmas, on an island in Spain, an island in Spain, and went to the beach maybe three times, maybe. And I was wow. there from. I know I'm pitiful. I was there from January, <laughs> from the beginning of January until like mid or the end of March, and went maybe three times. And and it's nice, obviously, over there year round. And so I didn't have any reason not to go, but, but I will say this when I go on vacation, that's where I'm staying It is right on the beach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Man, I can't wait to go over there. And then I love how, like, like you said, Airbnb and they have like this site that I use called next vacay and you pay $25 a year for them to send you like a bunch of international flights from whatever, like your home airport is. And, like, Mm -hmm. today I got one to Zagreb, which I think is in Croatia. So, if it's not, I'm really sorry. Um, But it was, like, $600 round trip and then $60 for your bag each way. And then, um, like, Colombia, $300 round trip. Sometimes I get ones to Paris for anywhere between $300 and $600 round trip. Um, And then in Madrid and Barcelona, I get a lot. But not – I haven't gotten any to Italy, I don't think. I'll randomly get some – from Australia or to Australia, I should say, um, like from 700 to 900, which I think is really cheap to go there round trip. And then I get a lot of uh, like Tokyo and um, Beijing pretty often for like five hundred, six hundred dollars round trip. So it's like if you save your money and do right, it's really affordable to travel now. Mm-hmm. Really affordable. Um, what is the coolest site you've seen thus far? Or if you can't just name one, I give you like three.
1: Cool. Okay. Uh, well, I would say, I mean, if you haven't been to London, London in general, Big Ben, the the Eye, mm-hmm. and um Buckingham Palace, like it's just all in the same area. Super
0: That's dope. Cool.
1: Um, Paris, getting to see the the Louvre and the Eiffel Tower, obviously. Um, Berlin was really cool. I got a chance to go there for a couple of days. And, okay. I'm trying to think. Uh, I went, okay, when I was in Spain, I was really close to um, Portugal, which I didn't even realize geographically that Portugal is almost like on the inside of Spain. <laughs> so we took a bus and went to Porto, and it was beautiful there. I, I really loved Porto as a city in general. Mm-hmm. It was it was just lots of sunshine, beautiful people, just genuinely seem real chill, relaxed, and happy there.
0: So it, that was probably one of my favorite places to visit. When I'm over here smiling with my eyes closed, as if I'm there, like you just described <laughs> that so beautifully. Uh, that's I gotta write that down. That's something I gotta put that on my to go list. That's what's Definitely. up. That's what's up. It's and I it, we I was just talking to somebody um, who also played basketball overseas, and she played in Spain as well, and we were talking about how like now that we're out of it and are like kind of starting to figure out what it is that we want to do next but we're in we're still in this transition period like mm. i'm just now starting to appreciate all of my basketball experiences from high school um all the way through overseas and like when when i was over there i just did not appreciate the opportunity and now i'm like i was living i was living in other countries like it's crazy man it is so crazy that's like i think the coolest thing ever to be doing
1: well, I can definitely relate to that um, not appreciating it as much. And I, I referenced it earlier in 2016 um, when I tore my ACOs mm-hmm. in the summer. It was right, I was trying to go to the Czech Republic wow. for that season. And I found out, like, maybe two days before my flight that my ACO was torn. I thought I hyperextended my knee. At this
0: what?
1: Point. I didn't realize it was torn. I, I was like, okay, I, I just hurt it. I just need to rest it, ice it. It would be okay in a little bit of time. But after the MRI came back, they said it was torn. I needed surgery. And I was like, okay. I worked a regular job. When I say regular <laughs> job, it was kind of like a call center office kind of job. Mm-hmm. And depressed. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I was making the best out of it. Like I was succeeding at the job in general. But I just knew it wasn't my passion. It wasn't my calling. So the season that came after that. You know, I played in England. We wind up winning the regular season. We won the playoff championship. I got to go to Australia that same season. So it was it was every moment I was on the court, I was so thankful. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the season more than any other season in my entire life. And like I, I just won't take it for granted anymore because having experienced it being taken away from me, I just mm-hmm. understand my true love for the game.
0: Man, that's deep. How how did you overcome? the injury mentally? And then how did you get to the point where you started to appreciate the journey? Because most people, especially having to go back and work a regular job, they probably be like, man, forget it. It's not worth it. I'm not getting paid that much anyway. How did you overcome that mentally and, and talk about the journey to like really appreciating your opportunities?
1: Um, well, I will say every day after work. So I was in there getting at 7 o'clock in the morning, getting off at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I would go straight from work to the gym. And I want to give a shout out to Tori. He's on Instagram as the 2K trainer. and Okay. He is incredible because this guy literally worked me back into playing shape over that entire eight month period and talking about baby steps where I couldn't even jump over a cone Mm -hmm. (laughs) so every day working with him getting back in the weight room getting stronger my physical therapist I did it at um UK so okay dope great physical therapist and I had a lot of like all my friends and family were super supportive I didn't post about it online because I was so afraid that it was going to drop my stock in basketball if people knew that I tore my ACL they might be hesitant to pick me up so I just kept it a secret mm-hmm. like people still thought I went to Croatia to play I mean Czech Republic to play
0: wow because
1: I just never announced it I never said anything so the only people that really knew was the team my agent and then like my close circle of people
0: right Man. so, so th- th- was there ever a point where you wanted to give up and where it was like really really hard or was it more motivation for you
1: well I would say when I was when I first started playing like pickup again Mm -hmm. so I toured in it was um late July of 2016 and I got back on the court in June 2017 like playing Mm. pickup and there were some moments where I was like my knee is so sore I just am like is it ever gonna get back right like I just didn't Mm. know if I was gonna you know how you can overcompensate because you got kind of an injured leg and my quad just wasn't as strong and I was like man if if I tear my other one because I'm not ready I, I would I had that mental fear yeah that I was gonna get injured again but I mean fortunately I just kept rehab and I still to this day do so many rehab exercises just to still strengthen it back up because I still at this point don't feel like it's as
0: strong as Mm -hmm. my other leg. man that's tough um i'm asked i'm about to ask you a whole bunch of. well i hope i'm not asking you too many because i'm actually interested for myself as well but like you talked about being afraid to injure yourself again first of all why and then second of all how did you overcome that specific fear because i think that's most people's fear i know me like i the And I'm not knocking it at all because it's so painful. The worst injury I've ever had is like really bad hamstring pulls, um, really close to like tearing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was my fear was either I'm going to re-injure that one or I'm going to hurt the other one. And um, that's why I ended up going back overseas after I played in Finland for a month, but I injured my hamstring. And after that, I didn't want to play no more for real. Like, I haven't touched the ball for real since. And that was January 2018. I haven't touched the ball since then for real. Um, Mm -hmm. And definitely don't play because I'm scared I'm going to do something. I'm still terrified that something's going to happen. So how did you overcome that?
1: Um, Well, I would say I was real diligent about, you know, wearing my knee brace, the the bigger one at Mm -hmm. first, and then it got tapered down to the smaller knee brace. And I kept that knee brace on for the first part of the season when I came back but at some point I felt like it started to hinder me a little bit to like slow me back down I wasn't as quick and explosive so just I went back to the doctor and I just had them check it out one more time and I asked them am I going to be okay to play without my knee brace or do I need to wear it Mm -hmm. and when I had the doctor's backing that I was going to be completely fine just you know continue to rehab and you know, it was stable, it was strong, and they checked it out. That kind of cleared my mind that it was just mental, and I was completely physically fine to let it go. And It's it's been fine since that point.
0: Yeah, that takes a lot of um, mental strength and courage, because even though they're doctors and we definitely should value their opinions, they're still not you. So yeah, they can mm-hmm. tell you all day long, yeah, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, but it's still ultimately up to you to truly believe that. But the key the two th- th- uh, the two key things you said were one, you were really into your rehab, you worked super super hard, and you wore your knee brace. So I know some people don't have to, maybe don't want to, but if that's what you need to do to get better, that's just what the heck you got to do to get better. Um mm-hmm. So I definitely I man I commend you for that, for real. Oh,
1: well, thank you. I had no a lot problem. of people who, who reached out, like, in my circle. I mean, it's such a common injury in women's basketball, people tearing the ACL. So mm-hmm. I knew it was something that could be overcame because people have done it for me, and I'm sure it's going to, unfortunately, going to continue to happen after me until we try to, you know, get our body mechanics right to where <laughs> we're not, as female athletes, tearing our ACL as frequently. But, I mean, it is something that you can overcome if you do sustain an injury. Mm-hmm. I know it's tough mentally, but, you know, once you do put in the work, like you said, talking about rehab and then, you know, mentally telling yourself that I'm OK, I'm going to be fine. hmm playing without fear is going to keep you from getting injured
0: as well exactly and i like how you said that you looked at other people who it happened to and that's something that i that even myself that when i'm going through something i act like ain't nobody else going through what i'm going through or haven't ever been through it um and it's okay to look up to other people or look to other people and it's also okay to get advice from other people so that's really really cool too that you did that and how you how you related it to what you were going through
1: definitely it's it's definitely easy to go through the process when you have some other people to look at too
0: for sure for sure um do you have any advice on how to get and stay overseas for male and female hoopers
1: um i think my biggest advice would be number one get around other people who are doing whatever it is in the in life that you want to do because those people know what it takes so if i'm Hanging around people who play professional basketball, I know that they're working out, they're eating right, they're you know they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they also have the connections with teams and players that they play with. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that connection and network that you have is going to help get you jobs consistently year in and year out.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Who you surround yourself with? I mean, this in life in general that is the most important, one of the most important things ever um because I didn't used to believe this until I started hanging around the wrong people and I became the wrong person was that you can really become who you hang around um and now I I don't hang out with nobody so I'm just myself but
1: hopefully I'm trying to
0: <laughs> rub elbows with uh Jay-Z and P Diddy and them real 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 soon so um that's what I'm trying that's who I want my circle to be but that's important too um so besides basketball Chantel what do you do, um, or what else are you interested in?
1: Well, I actually just came back home to Lexington. I was in Charlotte over um, from Wednesday to yesterday at the Enterprise, uh, Black Enterprise Forward Conference, and I'm I'm really into entrepreneurship. Um, I believe in you know starting your own business and leveraging the wealth that you receive. To pass it on to the next generation. So everything that I kind of am doing now, off the court, is leading into creating my own business, and you know, just trying to make myself like my own brand, Mm -hmm. so that way I can have independence. Because, like I said, working that job showed me that (laughs) I'm not the nine to five girl.
0: Like that's in the office.
1: That's not me.
0: Man, I agree. My mom, she gets so frustrated with me because I'll get a job, keep it for a week, two weeks, three weeks. I think a month is probably my max. And I, I quit because I'm like, I can't, I literally cannot do this. I cannot sit in here. I cannot do this work. Like, I can in terms of, of capability, but in terms of focus, I don't want to be there. Like, I'm not focused. I'm not doing my best. Um, but the most fun jobs I've ever had were, like, cell phone jobs because I'm competing with my with my coworkers, a.k.a. my teammates, and it's it can be fast-paced. And so I compare that to basketball. But this other stuff I've been doing lately, I cannot get jiggy with it. So... Like that is what I'm on right now is being an entrepreneur and it's hard, um, very, very hard journey, but that is so important to me because it's not even that I don't want to work with or for other people. It's just people are so, um, some people are very, how can I put it? They don't take good care of their employees. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just learned a lot. Even about like, you know, punctuality, being on time, um, the type of interview questions, all kinds of stuff. So my goal is to just become an employer and just do things how how I've learned not to do them. Basically, even my last job as a graduate assistant, like if I were ever to coach again, I know exactly what the hell not to do um, from that job. So that's what's been important to me. And I'm so glad I've worked so, 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 so many jobs because I've learned so much about me, what I want, what I don't want. Um, and yeah, that nine to five was for the birds, man, for all yeah. the birds.
1: <laughs> and I definitely encourage women, people of color, you know, get out there and find whatever your burning passion is and spend your time and effort into building that into your own personal brand company, you being the owner. And like you said, it's not about not working with other people because you can co- collaborate with people and grow your business that way. It's mm-hmm. so important to, you know, if I'm a hundred percent owner of my company and you have a hundred percent ownership of your company, but we merge together mm-hmm. and then that builds that up. So now we represent so many more clientele and we're getting so many more dollars in the bank. You know, who cares if we're 50% owners instead of a hundred percent when we're making
0: exactly, more exactly. That's what matters. And that's, that is definitely another thing um, that I see, especially, um, I don't even know if I should say with young people, but for some people in general have such a hard time with letting people help them or helping other people. And I like, I used to have an issue with asking for help, but now like I'm constantly asking for help. I'm currently looking for, for business partners. Like I want to collaborate with people because how else am I going to learn? If I try to do everything my way on my own, it's not going to work. Um, and I can't do everything by myself anyway. I love collaboration now and just even hearing other people speak like you about being an entrepreneur um just makes me want to go even harder so that's that's really dope super dope um what is the importance of giving back to and serving the community for you and why do you choose to do it
1: well i'm glad that you asked this question because it couldn't have been more timely for <laughs> <laughs> what's going on right now um Actually, me and Brianna Green, she's currently with the Harlem Globetrotters. She played at Lexington Catholic, so, and we played at the same middle school together. <laughs> nice. So for a long time. Um, we are actually doing our third annual Hoop for the Culture free youth basketball camp July 11th at KBC. So um, for me, this is like a huge thing. It's like really like a part of my heart because it gives us the opportunity to use basketball which we both love and have made careers out of and give back to the community. So we serve an underprivileged population of kids whose parents might not be able to afford to send them to a big time Nike or Adidas basketball camp. And we host that camp for them and it's absolutely free. And we bring in sponsors so that we can get the kids t-shirts, we can get them lunch. And we also have our friends who also are professional athletes come in and coach the camp and we just give these kids an amazing experience and you if you see the joy on their face when they leave the camp I mean that to me is what it's all about inspiring the next generation of you know young people
0: exactly that's definitely something i believe in and that's super dope you guys are doing that camp and congrats on it being you guys is a uh, third one this is really really cool um what what would you advise other young people on in terms of like giving back, because it it is important. And my second question with that is, do you think it's important for somebody to teach you to do that? Like, did somebody teach you to give back, or was that just something you always wanted to do?
1: Um, for me personally, I, I was digging through some notebooks that are underneath my bed because I was looking for something, and you know, you just start digging through stuff and you start finding old things and. I was reading one of the notebooks that I write in cuz I, I journal a lot. Mm-hmm. It was dated back in t- 2008 and that was my senior wow. year of high school. I was 17 <laughs> at the time and I remember, you know, writing something on there about, you know, my goal for life was to be a humanitarian. So mm-hmm. for me, it's it's always been a part of who I am. I looked up to Mother Teresa and mm-hmm. you know, those like Oprah and women like Michelle Obama, like those type of people who give back are like my heroes. So
0: yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's who I want to be. Exactly. That's what's up. That's dope. That's um definitely important, especially for those of us who have been given so much. Um, And there's no point in us hoarding all of this knowledge, all this experience, all this, you know, love, happiness that we have. Why not share it with other people? Um, and I think, but it also takes, in terms of what you are trying to do when you give back, it takes a lot of confidence, um, to do that as well. And, and I just encourage everybody, it doesn't matter how you do it, when you do it, where you do it, just give back in some way because each of us possesses something that nobody else does. And if you give a little bit of that, you're making the world a better place already. Doesn't have to be super big at all.
1: Absolutely. If you don't have any money, you can always volunteer your time.
0: Exactly. And time is, people appreciate time way more than they appreciate money. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I can say that about, like, family, friends, significant others. I remember things that we've done together, certain memories versus what they bought me or what I bought them. Because essentially, the, the time is always the most important thing. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> uh, tell us about your recent decision to go Vegetarian. Okay, so
1: <laughs> going vegetarian was partly a choice and almost partly a necessity, uh when it happened. Um two thousand seventeen I went to visit one of my friends in Hungary and I was over there for just three days. Okay. And at some point in time I consumed some undercooked chicken.
0: Ooh.
1: I was so sick for about three weeks following that uh that episode and I couldn't I just couldn't even look at any meat at this wow, point in time wow. while I was sick I mean I was I just was like no I can't and I had already cut out pork and beef prior to this but I was still eating chicken turkey um seafood and things like that okay but no red meat or pork so once I got the I, I want to. I don't know if this is true but I feel like I got salmonella poisoning from that undercooked chicken because that's wow. how sick I was but I never got that
0: confirmed so I'm not sure we gonna say you did yeah it was bad <laughs> it, was, it was that bad <laughs> that's wild though man I'm glad you okay yeah I
1: thought I was gonna die I was like man I
0: don't know how Dude. long this,
1: this is gonna last but I mean, I'm in the middle of the season here so it's not like I, I don't have time to be sick like
0: right. this.
1: but I just stopped eating meat and then at that point while i was sick it was like the turn of the year so it was you know turning 2018 and from that point i was like january 1st new year's resolution i'm going vegetarian so it was just like boom
0: dang and no more (laughs) and since then you haven't had meat
1: no
0: no so, so there good. may
1: have been times where, you know, depending on who's cooking the food, sometimes you might go somewhere and somebody might have put some meat in, some collard greens <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that I haven't had any juices or whatever on something, but I right. try not to. But, I mean, if the case calls for it and I'm just not going to eat anything because somebody has, I don't know, some meat has touched something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna eat it. I'm not doing it for like I can't. I just don't want to. So. Right,
0: I dig that. For those of us who are sh- currently struggling with this process, aka myself, what, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, what advice can you give me? In us?
1: Well, I would say, I mean, it's it's all about taking the steps because, like I said, for me, I was able to cut out the pork and beef pretty easily because it was a part of something that my whole family was doing because I mean I had an uncle in 2012 who who had high blood pressure and wound up having a stroke and Mm. passing away well sorry about that thank you I mean that that happened really changed the culture of my whole family because we realized my family on my dad's is from Denver, Alabama so you know how mm, it is
0: in the south like, everyone <laughs> eating
1: pork chops you know you just eating bacon you eating everything mm-hmm. but all the sodium in that you know it's raising the blood pressure and to the point where it's so extreme that if you're not on medication that you can have a stroke and pass away
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were all like you know what this is a wake up call we gotta do something about our diet. so that 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 stopped the pork and beef and you know then from there like I said like I stopped eating the meat in the turn of the year but my sister when I went to visit her in Houston that first year when I went vegetarian Mm -hmm. you know she she goes out to eat a lot but when I stay with her I cook all the time so she was eating what I was cooking so she was eating these vegetarian meals and I think when she started eating the vegetarian meals, she was like, you know, that's not bad. I like this. This tastes good. Like, I can, I can do this. I don't need to eat meat all the time. Yeah. And the same thing with my father. Like, I when I'm at home, when I'm cooking meals, you know, people who are around me that are eating with me, they're like, they're slowly realizing, like, I don't have to eat meat all the time. Mm-hmm. So, then it's just like cutting back. So, instead of just going cold turkey, I would say for most people, it's best to kind of taper it down like if you want to go pescatarian where you're just eating fish and seafood that way you still you know feel like you're getting some meat in there and then when you take it to that level then maybe not eating it every single day maybe you only eat you know fish or seafood three times a week mm-hmm. you know so it's just like slowly but surely if you're trying to get to a goal of being vegetarian then I would say just take it in steps so you're not just like shell-shocked with like nothing
0: <laughs> That see that's my thing is like I get bored with meals, but it's like at the same time when it comes to meat we pretty much eat the same thing. It's a meat and two sides, three sides, however many you have. So you can literally do the same thing with a vegetarian meal, just replace the meat with something else. But I get so caught up in oh I gotta eat so many vegetables and that's all I can eat. Like I can still eat rice, I can still eat pasta. I can eat pretty much everything, just not meat um but I thought that's also like an excuse that I make up in my head so I can still eat cheeseburgers and stuff like that but um, but
1: they've gotten my dad has actually opened my eyes up to a lot of different things because now he when he goes to the store he he picks up these different vegetarian things that I never would have even thought to buy like mm. vegetarian sausages and vegetarian lunch meat and just all these different things that I'm like I didn't even know this existed but
0: I'll try it. <laughs> yeah, I just have some, uh, some soy burgers. I th- or they're black bean and I think soy and mushroom burgers. And then I have some, uh, soy chicken strips. And definitely not chicken definitely not a real burger but mm-hmm. it, it you know what I'm saying but it was still good it was good enough and it tastes good I um, mean it went well with the size that I chose with it so it's like it's it's it can it's not easy but like you said working your way up to it it'll make it a lot easier it's a process though yeah and that
1: you're doing the right thing I mean trying new things and you know, incorporating those things into your regular diet, even if you are still eating meat from, you know, time to time, it's like, okay, well, now you've tried this black bean or whatever kind of vegetarian burger you have, and you realize that it's not that bad. It might not be as good as a burger to you, but then if you think about the health benefits that come along with it, you might feel, start feeling better. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I just told myself, everybody, I kept saying, oh, this is so good. This is so good. Because my mind really don't know at the end of the day. So if I keep tricking it into thinking that it's good, eventually it really will be good. Um, and it's, I mean, not even the fact that it don't taste good. It's just like the texture for me. I, I just know it's not meat. Um, mm-hmm. But but meat is start the texture of meat is starting to gross me out a lot more than the texture of a veggie uh, burger. So it's, it's coming along. It's going to take some time. It's along. If you really want to just gross
1: yourself out, you know, just go into one of those European uh, meat butcher shops. Man, y'all <laughs> skinning rabbits. You see the cut off. That is so true, of, man. I'm looking at that stuff
0: walking around the grocery store, and I'm like, Yes, if I wasn't a vegetarian. <laughs> I would be after seeing this. <laughs> I'm saying they just have it all out in the open. Don't even care. I mm-hmm. don't see. I was in Lithuania, and they eat squirrels. I, I know they do here too, especially where you live at, in Lexington. Y'all <laughs> eat all kinds of stuff, but they like just like you said, just got it all skinned out in the open, like at how we would have like a, a seafood area and the you know beef area they got squirrels and all kinds of things just out uh-uh you just reminded me of uh-uh. i don't know why yeah, you I'm did sure that if, tell you,
1: if you see in some asian countries you know you might see dog and cat uh-uh. so if, if you really want to if you want to
0: propel
1: and get you know started uh-uh. in your vegetarian-ness faster just go to some of those meat markets and you will be right back okay my last time eating
0: Man, I'm so mad you just did all that to me. Why you do that? <laughs>
1: you know, sometimes you gotta get guilty in the
0: making. The I'm saying like thank you, but no thank you. Dang <laughs> Dang. All right, Tully. So you mentioned you uh you guys are doing that camp, you love to give back, you wanna be an entrepreneur, you're still you are an entrepreneur and you're still hooping. So with all of that, what is next for you?
1: Um well, right now I'm currently working on getting my real estate license. Nice. And my father and myself, we started this nonprofit here in Lexington. It's a sober living house for women.
0: Oh, beautiful
1: so I really want to like kind of make those two things go together by having my real estate license I want to turn into an investor and get some more property and with those properties I'm looking to expand the sober living house that we have because I mean we have 11 beds available but I know that's not enough And Mm -hmm. in this this current state of the United States with the opioid crisis going on Mm -hmm. there's so many people that need a place to stay where they can focus on their sobriety. So
0: exactly, that's,
1: that's kind of where I'm gonna see myself going in the next couple of years
0: af- outside of basketball. That's dope, and you know, thank for real. Thank you and your dad for doing that, because people, there are so many people like you guys who care and who who are even attentive to that. But there are so many people who are the opposite and saying, "Oh, well, they don't need help." and this is this and this and you know when when black people were on crack nobody was helping us and on one end especially being black i understand but at the same time why not be the change um and anybody can help anybody and i i definitely appreciate you guys doing that because that is that is awesome and i know i'm sure it's not like super easy for you guys either i mean having a nonprofit-
1: honestly has been eye-opening that was one of the main things that I was focusing on when I went to the Black Enterprise Conference they mm-hmm. had a couple of different people who you could speak with to get one-on-one coaching
0: for sure and
1: my main objective was to get some advice and help for our nonprofit to see different ways that we could you know make our infrastructure stronger and also find out how we can get more donations because I mean it's not easy to get other people to see your vision and
0: donate money to to the cause exactly very true especially when you're doing something like that where we are so divided on it um so again i commend you guys and thank you guys for that uh we definitely need to talk too because i haven't started the process of wanting to get my real estate license but that's all i talk about is like buying property and buying buildings and um giving to those who like may have poor credit uh, may not be able to afford you know housing normally or whatever so anybody single mothers, um, single fathers just anything that I can do but we definitely need to um, talk about that stay in touch about for that sure. um, tell you that's all I've got for you um, is there anything else that you want to tell us, let us know about you, any advice um, any questions you have
1: i mean i guess if i'm gonna have one thought that i want to have everybody like take away from this whole thing i just always want people to realize like no matter where you are in life like you are the captain of your own ship whatever you want in life you can go out there and get it use your resources continue to be positive don't let any negative setbacks stop you from doing whatever it is in the world that you want to do because we are completely capable and that's just what that's the message that i want to leave everybody with today
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for that, because that's encouraging for me. Um, So thank you, and thank you for your time, first of all, for even doing this for me and with me. Um, And thank you for that advice. I appreciate you. All
1: right. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to hearing more of your podcast.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate that.